Thank you, Jesus. All right, let me help you. I'm going to start out and do this first because this will really, really encourage you. This is a testimony. All right, this uh, last few months, I've been praying the Lord's Prayer. Just, and, you know, not when I say that, not as rote, not like, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You know, getting to, no, but really just asking the Lord to just help me pray that prayer and just thoughts and stuff I feel He's given me as I pray it. But one of the things that has really, so it's really helped me know the Father a lot more. That's on a personal level. I've got a lot of revelation about the Father this summer, that He's just revealed Himself to me. It's been the most precious time this summer that I've been able to spend with the Lord, just having that prayer early early in the morning out on the porch. It's been great, except for this morning it was too cold. You know, <laughs> It's been some hot mornings, but it was too cold to get out there this morning. But I'm glad, though. I just need to switch to some warmer clothes. Yeah. But one of the parts of that prayer is give us this day our daily bread. Okay? Which literally can be translated, give us tomorrow's bread today. Okay? Give us tomorrow's bread today. Now, this is what the Lord showed me. I asked him, how, how can I pray that, Lord? What is tomorrow's? What is my tomorrow? And he said, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. I know the plans I have for you. A plan for a future and a hope. Plans to prosper you. Okay, so that's really I've been beginning to pray that, praying over myself, praying over my family, and praying that. Actually, been praying it over you guys. So y'all should be getting some of this stuff. But the testimony is this: my son in law, ten weeks ago, eleven weeks ago now. Got a new job. He'd been going after this job for, for over a year. Finally got the job. Well, a week ago Friday, a man walked into the, who worked at the company walked in and abruptly resigned from his position in the company. And the reason he did, because yesterday he was supposed to be getting married to a woman who lived in North Carolina. He had moved from, North, from California to North Carolina, and, and then they, but they broke up. And so he was this heartbroken guy who just quit his job. I'm going back to California. I don't need to be here no more, which probably wasn't wisdom on his part. But nevertheless, he did. But my son-in-law was, went to his boss and said, I want his job, which was a couple steps above him where he was currently working. So I want his job. And they said, well, you know, you're the best analyst we got, but, uh, you know, we have a procedure for, you know, promoting people, blah, blah, blah. We'll talk to you later. Well, Tuesday they came in and said, you got the job. Amen? Now, that, that's a future. That was for the future. You see what I'm saying? That's what I want you to get. The future was for him to be promoted down the road somewhere. That was God's intention. But because of praying the future into now, he got the promotion before it would have normally happened on the natural. And what I'm telling you, that's what God has for everybody in this room. That, that in the Bible, everything Jesus did on this earth, He did it from the future. He did it from the cross that had not happened. Every healing, every miracle, everything He did, and He's even, he's even stated that clearly. That's how He did it. You know, by, by His stripes were healed. You know, that, the Bible even states that. So Jesus lived out of the future. He lived out of an event that already happened. But He looked into heaven and pulled that future into now. And that's what God really wants us to do. Everybody in this room, He wants you to pull in the prosperity of the future. He wants to pull in the health of the future. Now, here's the health. This is one I sort of wrestle with because I'm thinking, I don't need no health 20 years from now. I don't need that not 70-year-old health. You know what I'm saying? I need that health. That fu- I need that health way in the future, like in heaven health. And what is heaven has divine health. Okay? I've shared before, you know, Arthur Burt, this is his testimony. Arthur Burt for years walked in divine health, for years, until he fell in pride. Got sick, wouldn't go to the doctor to get him medicine because he was walking in divine health. And the Lord said, well, what's wrong with you? And he said, I'm, supposed to, I'm walking in divine health. And the Lord said, no, you're going to the doctor because you got him pride about it. It really, really happened to him. That's why, you know, sort of the pride thing took him down. It's one of his teachings. But, but he did for years walk in divine health. I believe the Lord has divine health for people. We believe in divine healing. Amen. Well, I'm calling for for divine health in my life and over my children, over you guys. So every area of our life, we can be affected by this prayer if it's real to us. Tomorrow's bread, tomorrow's prosperity, tomorrow's blessings, tomorrow's raises, tomorrow's relationships, tomorrow's 
whatever the good things you have for me tomorrow, Lord, I want them today. I'm bringing them in today. I'm calling them forth to come into my life today. This is what happened with another member of my family. Where she works, they are not giving raises, okay? But her boss got a raise. And her boss said, I got a raise. I think you need to get a raise. I'm going to them and tell them to give you a raise because you deserve a raise. And this is where a company is not even giving raises. You see what I'm saying? God really wants to do that for people. For us, for you and me, for us personally. So I'm just telling you these testimonies to encourage you to begin to lay hold of what God has for you in your life. That you begin to pull those things out of the future into now, the good things, the Jeremiah 29, 11 things, into your life today. Amen? That's a good testimony. I'm trying to get some more. Lord, can I get a raise from the future? You know? Okay, um, now I'm going to give you this message, Lord willing. Thank you, Jesus. Well, um, you know, this is what's happening in the body of Christ today. This is is something awesome happening. And it's happening with a lot of people in a lot of different places. A lot of people are talking about the blood of Jesus. A lot of people are are, uh, reading books about the blood of Jesus. Somebody told me this morning they read a novel that had a completely different name on the front, but they read it, and it was all about the blood of Jesus. They didn't even know it. So Jesus is emphasizing the cross to us right now. He's emphasizing the cross. I, I saw an advertisement of that, the call Sacramento, this thing that they're doing out there this weekend, and, and, and it, was, it was something like nothing but the blood. It had something about the blood on the front. I forget, but I was just like, wow. This is, this is the, the word of the Lord for America is the cross. He's trying to bring the cross back into the church and bring the cross back in the, into the forefront of the church, which is really awesome. So um, um, what I'm telling you, you know, this thing about what we're bringing forth in this room here, this is not just some little thing that happened with me personally. This is something that's happening all around. This is what's in the heavenly realm right now that God's pouring out of heaven is a reemphasis that we would, would get back to the revelation of the cross so, uh, you know, last week um, I talked to you about the seven times that Jesus bled on the cross and how each one of those can really have a major, 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 major impact on our lives as we begin to meditate on that and begin to receive it into our lives in a fresh way. And one of the things I want to encourage every one of you, if you'll just do this one thing, is you, if you'll invite the blood of Jesus into your spirit, not even into your soul, but ask Him for it into your spirit, something's going to happen in your life. I promise you something will happen. Uh, what happened with me, all of a sudden this bad stuff started gurgling up in me that I didn't even know had gotten down in into my spirit. Uh, because we, as human beings, what we will do if we go through hard times, many times we stuff stuff. Right? You ain't got time to deal with it. You don't want to deal with it. You, have, you stuff it and you stuff it. You stuff it down and it gets down in your spirit. A lot of people don't believe that, but Paul the Apostle talks about that in, in Corinthians about your filthiness of spirit. And that's what it is. And so, and so anything that's in your spirit is going to affect your, your, your life majorly, okay? Because that's, where you, that's the absolute roots of it. And so he began to uproot things out of me just by that one prayer of saying, Lord, just put your blood down in my spirit, deep down in there, Lord, stuff I don't even know. Just cleanse it, heal it, wash it out. And he began to do that. God responds to the blood, and he responds to the prayers about the blood, if, you, if our heart is really true and sincere towards that. So I'm here to testify about the power of the blood, that it's real, it's alive, it's something that Christians need, not just when they're saved, but when they've been Christians a really long time, they still need it. And we're going to always need it. And like I shared with you last week, in heaven, the blood of Jesus is up there in heaven. It's a big deal up in heaven. You know, there are, there are those angels that are, it's a big deal to them. Anyways, uh, <clears throat> the, there's also seven times, it's interesting, seven times he bled. There's also seven times that Jesus spoke from the cross. Okay? He spoke seven times from the cross. And uh, these words were like a dying man's last words. Okay? A dying man's last words. Which you know, all of you know that would be sort of important. If you had a loved one dying, the last, you would want to talk to them one last time if you knew you weren't going to see them until you got to heaven. That would be important to you. And I remember my daddy's last words he had for me when he died. Right before he died, he said his last words was, this is a really simple thing, but it's really powerfully impacted my life. He said this, I love you. 
That's the last thing my daddy ever said to me. That's a good thing, the last thing to hear from your daddy. Okay? So that was very powerful to me and meaningful to me to hear him say to me, I love you, as he was dying. And, uh, you know, I hope when I'm dying from leaving this earth, maybe get caught up and be telling the kids, you know, everything's good. You know, heaven's wonderful. <laughs> We'd have something good to say to them. But, uh, you know, the, the, a person's last words are, are, really are precious. Uh, I've read some uh, stuff on people's last words. And uh, one of them, this was interesting. This is a sort of funny one. Uh, this guy was in the hospital dying, Okay. And he confessed to a murder that he had done 30 or 40 years prior. Okay, he confessed to this murder, and the, he confessed it to the, to the doctors and them there. And so they called the police in. The police came, and he took, they took the confession. And guess what happened to the guy? He didn't die. <laughs> he got well. And as he was checking out the hospital, the police were there to check him into jail. That literally happened. There are some fascinating stories about people's last, the dying the words of people who are dying. It really is. It's, there's all kinds of stuff like that, but it's, it's pretty interesting. But uh, uh, these words of Jesus were very powerful. One of the reasons they were so powerful, obviously anything Jesus said was powerful, but these words came at great cost to Jesus because when he was saying them, based on medical science, a person who was being crucified, they were, they were suffering from oxygen starvation. So every word he spoke took great effort, and he, it was in great pain that he spoke them. So these are very, very precious words. So he didn't mince words. He didn't waste words. What he was saying was significant and meaningful. In other words, when he said it, this caused him to say it. It would have been easier for him just to hang up there and be quiet and, and just take care of just trying to breathe and, and die slowly. But he went to the effort to say things. And so he said seven, seven different things. Now, two of them have had a very profound impact on my life, okay, a very profound impact on my life. Uh, and I wanted to just share one of those things, that one of them today, because that's all the time we got. I'm not going to try to share all seven, but it would be just... But this one has really significantly touched me. It's in Luke twenty three thirty four, <clears throat> And it said, Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not, what, do not know what they do. That was the first thing he said. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Uh, the first thing that I wanted to say to you, notice the word them, them like... Forgiveness is a them. I mean, no, there's going to be lots of times we're going to have to learn how to forgive. It's not a one-time deal. Like It's not one person going to mess you up, and you're going to have to forgive that one person. It's a them. It's a plural. But uh, <clears throat> um, I went through this thing 10 years ago on forgiveness, okay, that was really intense for me. And it, it was like the test of my ministry, okay? I wouldn't say it was a test of my life, but it was a test of my ministry, and I knew in the middle of it that if I didn't get through that, I was not going to make it in the ministry. And in other words, I knew whatever the, the outcome was, either I was going to be able to go on and do what God called me to do with my life, or that was going to take me out. Okay? Even though I knew that in my mind, I knew that was the truth, I knew, knew it, I knew it as well as I know anything, even though I knew all that, I still could not deal with the forgiveness. I still could not get to the place where I could really, truly forgive. Okay, even though I knew that, I knew the critical and criticalness of it is that it was going to change my life. It was like this, this is going to determine the course of your life. If you don't forgive these people for what they've done, you, your life is going to be altered. and It's going to take you in a different direction than, you, than you're meant to go in. I knew that, but I still couldn't do it. Okay, so I struggled and struggled and struggled with the issue of forgiveness. And in the midst of that struggle, the Lord exposed it because I came to a place... Honestly, in the middle of that, I had convinced myself that I had forgiven. In my mind, I convinced that I'm, I've forgiven them. And one strategic day, the Lord exposed me, okay, in front of some, not in front of a bunch of people, in front of people that loved me. You know, it wasn't, they didn't feel bad about me being exposed, but I felt bad about me being exposed. You know, like, if you walked in, on, in the room with somebody you loved and they didn't have any clothes on, you'd feel bad, but they'd feel worse, you know. And that's the way it was. The Lord exposed me, exposed my heart that, no, you haven't forgiven them. You, you really haven't. And, uh, well, I want to, let me just want to say this. 
this was not my wife. This didn't have to do anything to do with my wife, okay? It would be like the second worst thing that could ever happen to you, though. You know, like, to me, the worst thing that could ever happen to you if your, your, your spouse betrayed you, okay? Well, this wasn't my spouse. I just want to make that understandable. Because, you know, people think crazy stuff. It, but it was some, somebody close enough and dear enough and near enough to me that what they did to me, and they did it to me uh, over a period of time, that it was very wounded and very hurtful to me, okay? So much so that it just threw me into a tailspin in my life. Even for a couple of years, I struggled with it. Literally, every day of my life, I went through this thing over and over and over trying. I was consumed, literally. My prayer life was consumed, consumed about this. Playing and replaying and trying to forgive and trying to think about the right way. I mean, it was a consuming thing. It was destroying me. Little by little, I was being destroyed, and bitterness was growing in my heart. Uh, you know, I know all that now looking back. At the time, I didn't. But on this strategic day, when my friends exposed my unforgiveness and basically said, No, Byron, you have not. But based on what you just said to me, you have not forgiven that man. Man. I said, Okay. You know, that was pretty much... And within an hour, I went to my mailbox, and I had a, there was a tape in my mailbox by R.T. Kendall, who's like a father in the faith, and the t- name of the tape was Total Forgiveness. Okay? I knew the Lord was speaking to me at that moment. I knew that was God. You know, obviously it was. Duh, you'd have to be an idiot not to. I mean, you, couldn't even, you don't have to be spiritual. And all of a sudden, God's talking to you. Open your mailbox, and somebody just talked to you about forgiveness, and you're swining and thrashing around about it. And you get this tape, Total Forgiveness, that somebody had sent you. Uh, not not anybody I need to forgive. I got it. I was a tape of the month kind of thing. So I listened to it, and the tape, it really helped me tremendously. Uh, and he wrote a book called Total Forgiveness, and which is a really great book that will teach you a lot about what forgiveness is and what it's not, the difference between forgiveness and reconciling. And I mean, it's just a book every Christian should should read. It really helped me to really get a grasp on what forgiveness is. Okay, and that really helped me, but that didn't give me the breakthrough. Okay, I did not get the breakthrough from, re- from listening to that message, but I did get an understanding of what real forgiveness was, and it sort of set me up for the next thing. Okay, and the next thing, same day, within another, within another hours of that, I, was, I, can tell you, I can take you to the right spot on the road where the Lord spoke to me. And he asked me a question, because I was telling the Lord, now I understand this, okay? I understand what this forgiveness thing is. I really got to grasp it. But Lord, I do not, I cannot forgive this person. I don't know. I just can't do it. It's too painful. It's too hurtful. I really, to tell you the truth, Lord, I despise them. I want to I get them back. I want to do everything in my power to hurt them. The, their their vo- very voice grinds me. When I think about their vo- voice, it just grinds me into powder. I think about their face. I, I just want to punch them in the face. I just feel all this. Lord, and I know I can't keep feeling this about this person, these persons. I just can't do it. But I cannot bring myself to forgive in spite of what you have shown me, in spite of the obvious things. And the Lord asked me a question. He said to me, Byron, I heard him clearly say that, have I forgiven you? That's what he said to me. I said, well, of course you have. You know, like, of course you have. You're God. You, that's what you do. That's what your business is. But this is what he said to me. He said, if I have forgiven you, then you have forgiveness in you. You have it deposited in you, that, in, in which means... It, now, I, don't, I want you to just... It's, the picture would be like somebody putting a bunch of money in your bank account when you says, I can't afford to do this, and they said, oh, no, I have just put a million dollars in your bank account. You've got all that money you can pull out of your bank account to buy this thing. That's, that's literally how I got it, and I realized at that moment... I got this revelation. It was the first real revelation I ever got in my life about the Father. Because Jesus said here, He didn't say, I forgive them. Did you notice that? He didn't say, I forgive them. He said, Father. Do y'all see that? How many times have you read that and thought about Jesus forgiving the people that killed Him? But He didn't say that. He said, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. And here's the other parts of the revelation is this is what it made me see. Every time you or I sin, every time we sin, if I sin against Venus, okay, if I do something to hurt Venus, that's vicious to Venus, it's not Venus I'm sinning against. It's the Father. Every sin that we commit is against Him. Now, this is what it says. Let's look at this. Uh, um, I want to read this to you. I just want you to get this. Luke fifteen twenty one. 
Okay, this is the prodigal son coming home. And the son said to him, now this is how a Hebrew would think about forgiveness. Okay, they understood this, all right? They sort of know stuff that we didn't know back then. They sort of had this understanding of the way the spiritual world works. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. I've sinned against, in other words, I've sinned against God and in your sight. Now, that's how God looks at sin. I don't care what you do. You can say the worst thing in the world to somebody. God is saying, you've said that to me, not to them. Now, that, that gives you a different view. I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. You know, and then the story goes on. So that's really how God began to reveal to me what forgiveness is all about. It began His revelation of His Father's heart about that. First and foremost, God is a God of forgiveness. That's where forgiveness comes from. And that's where when everything we do, every sin we commit comes from, you know, is against Him. But if we're going to have forgiveness, okay, we've got to get forgiveness from Him because He's like the Father of forgiveness. And if we're going to have forgiveness and we're going to be able to forgive people, we can't muster it up out of our flesh. We can't muster it up out of our spiritual maturity or, our, or whatever. Because at that moment, I knew, I, have a, I had a great revelation on forgiveness itself, what it was, what it wasn't, but I still didn't realize that, that I had something in me. Namely, that God had imparted forgiveness in me that I could draw on. I read this thing about, uh, remember the guy, his last name was, was two things, Hurst. Uh, Patty Hurst. Remember Patty Hurst? Everybody older knows that. What was her daddy's name? The, uh, William Hurst. William Randolph Hurst. William Randolph Hurst. Patty, forget if you don't hear about Patty Hurst. You're just too young. Okay? She, was a, she got sort of hooked up, man, back in the day. She was pretty famous for a while. She kind of burned out, I think. But anyways, William Randolph Hearst was a very wealthy man on bunches of newspapers, uh, media kind of thing. He was just a big deal, you know. And his daughter went astray, Patty. But anyway, there's another story. But he was also an art collector. William Randolph Hearst loved art. And he had all, all this money, so he spent lots of money on art. Okay? And he would buy art. And had these places he would store it and keep it. And one day he found this picture, and he read about this picture. It was a famous picture, and he desperately wanted this picture. Like, I want that. You know, he was a collector. i got to get that one. So he sent his boys out who try to go find these pieces of art. And it took them months to find it. And they finally called him and said, we found it. Where is it? You have it. <laughs> Literally, that happened. You have it. And so that's really a lot of what, the, what I was coming to, that revelation is I was trying desperately to forgive it, and the Father was saying, No, Byron, here's a revelation of me. I've given you. I'm the Father of forgiveness. I've imparted forgiveness in you. You have forgiveness in you. All you've got to do is tap into that forgiveness. You don't have to forgive them with your forgiveness. Tap into what I have put into you. And honestly, that day I was really able to come to total forgiveness. I was set free that day from something that was going to destroy my life, and I knew, I knew it was. So, see, here's what I want you to get. Most of the time when we hear messages on forgiveness, we are emphasizing the need for me and you to forgive somebody, right? And that is really biblical and that's important. But without us getting this revelation of the Father, do you see what I'm saying? God the Father wants to reveal Himself to people. It's not just some kind of thing, uh, you know, we don't really realize this revelation God's releasing right now about Himself. We don't realize how impacting and how powerful it is in our lives, Okay? There's, there's more to it than we're realizing. You see, what I'm seeing is God has, God the Father wants the people to know about Himself. And that is really an important part of Himself that He wants us to know about. Number one, He wants us to know that when we sin, we sin against Him. And number two, He wants us to know that He's the Father of forgiveness. That Jesus said on the cross, Father, forgive them. He, Jesus didn't say, I forgive them. He, Jesus wanted us to know that the Father's one that really, His forgiveness is all that counts. His forgiveness really is all that works. And if we're going to forgive, we've got to tap into His forgiveness. And that's really wonderful and powerful. See, what God wants to do, I believe this. This is what I believe. I want to do it sometimes. I'd like to be able to do it sometimes. Because God is, wants to teach us how to, number one, receive revelation from Him. Okay, and number two, how to cultivate that relationship, that revelation, and how to grow that revelation in your life. Because a lot of people, here's what's happening with a lot of people, they're getting breakthroughs, they're getting revelation, but you don't see a fruit in it. Because they haven't figured out how God works yet. They haven't figured out how revelation real works. They just think it's just light bulb moment that happens in a moment. Okay, and, and that's a part of it. That's just the beginning of it. 
You see, there's an expansion that God wants to do. And He wants to teach us how to receive revelation. That's really important for us to be able to receive revelation and recognize when revelation comes. And, le- and also recognize that God wants to build on that revelation in your life. What I saw in that was that was my first real revelation of the Father, but since then He's given me at strategic moments other revelations of Him. And they're all building on each other. They're, you know, because the Bible says this is what it says. Uh, the entrance of your, of, no, the unfolding of your word gives light. The unfold, in other words, revelation unfolds. It's not, an, it's not like the whole thing comes out at once. There's an unfolding of it. There's a development of it. And it gives understanding to the simple. That's what it says about revelation. See, that's what God wants to do is help us to get this understanding. We need to be quit being simple-minded people. We need to start getting this understanding from heaven. But we think it's just a one-shot deal. This thing's going to happen. We're going to get this great revelation about something. And then we sort of drop it. We don't really cultivate it. We don't let it get deeper in us and let God expand it and give us more understanding and give us more insight on it. Do y'all follow that? And God is really interested in that because that is how we are really going to come into greater revelation. Because it's, a, it's back to that parable, not parable, but the stewardship thing. If you'll steward what He's given you, He will grow it in you. He will develop it in you. He will enlarge it in you. And it really can grow in you. And so God has been teaching people, if they will, will be willing to listen to Him, He's been teaching how to receive, first of all, how to get revelation, how to tap in and pull revelation. Because you can literally do it. You can pull revelation out of heaven. You can get it. If you want it, you can get it. Because God has made it available to us in Christ. But then He also wants to teach us not only to be able to pull it out, but be able to cultivate it and grow it in our life and let it expand and let it grow over a period of time, meaning years. So I went through a 10-year period in my life, literally, of getting revelations on the Father, where He began to develop it more and more and more and more. Because I kept sticking with what He gave me. You see what I'm saying? And so what, that's what he wants to Because I know these days a lot of people are asking the question, how? Okay? That's a good question. I'm not really big into how, but I am big into how in the spirit realm. Because I want to know how the spirit world works. Anyways, that's good, isn't it? I think it's good. I mean, I'm into it. So anyway, this first revelation on the forgiveness. Are we good so far? So now, so that's a really important, that's the first revelation of the Father. Okay, spoken from the cross. Spoken from the cross. Here's the, here's the thing. I want you to get this about the cross. Everything that we build our lives on, if it is not founded in the cross somehow, then it's a false foundation. I don't care what revelation you got. If we can't somehow bank it in the cross, if somehow we can't base it on something that, that has to do with the cross, the cross being the, the blood, the, the death, the, res- the burial, the resurrection, the ascension and outpouring of the Spirit. That's the cross, biblically. It has, everything has to be based in that. And so that's what I've done in my life. I've gone back to everything I feel like that's real in me and said, can I find this in the cross? You know what I'm saying? Every real revelation, if you can't find it there, you need to say, Lord, I need to find it here or I need to get rid of it. I need to set it, set it aside. That's a good exercise to go. That'll keep your heart, heart right. So I'm, I'm thinking God really wants to reveal the cross for a lot of reason right now. Um, but, so, but here I want to get back to this, this about us forgiving Okay, because we, so we have this revelation that the Father forgives. We have access to His forgiveness so we can forgive. Now, I want to read this Mark eleven twenty through 26. Are y'all okay? Y'all just sitting there looking at me like, good Lord. But I'm telling you something. I'm telling you. I'm telling you this. There is an expansion that God wants to do. He, he, listen, y'all can't be, you just can't do this. You can't be fair-weather Christians. You can't be people that you can only be motivated towards God when everything around you is motivated. You've got to learn how to have personal revival. You've got to learn how to have a personal move of God. You can't depend on everybody around you. You just can't. You've got to learn how to pull on that yourself. Now, that's going to be the key for you. You know, I mean, I want it to be happening everywhere. I'm praying for it. And it's more fun that way. But I'm also saying, Lord, I'm pulling on you, period. I'm pulling on you, period. Because I need you, period. I need a move of God, period, in my life. I need a revival, period, in my life. Whether nobody else has a revival or not, I'm planning on having one. You know, that's just the way I'm doing it. And I believe God is saying yes to that. I believe he's saying, that's what I want for you, Byron. I want you to have that. I want you to be in an ongoing, constant move of God. 
And then we can release that because we've got something real in us. Because there's coming a day where the move of God is going to depend on the church to release it. Not for the church just to like, oh, somehow God showed up. You know, he's saying, no, I want to teach you how to release that out. If we're going to really be able to go in places and change atmospheres and, and change your attitudes and stuff like that, we've got to get this thing going in us. I think that's right. Yeah, in Mark eleven twenty through 26, let me read this to you, okay? It says, Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Y'all remember that story? Jesus, Jesus did that deal with that fig tree. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed, Jesus cursed, has withered away. That's important. Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, or literally, have faith of God. That's what that literally is, have faith. So it's better to have his faith than our faith, right? Because it's like the forgiveness thing. We can tap into his, what he has for us, okay? But it, but, but it is a seed. It is, I want to emphasize it, he does give it to us, and he wants, us to, he wants to help us to be gardeners and cultivate it and grow it and let it bear fruit and expand, okay? <clears throat> so have faith of God, for surely I say to you, whoever says, and I'm telling you, I want you to get this, listen to this. This is in red in the Bible. I don't care what you think this morning. This is the main person stating this. I mean, the top man. There's nobody topper than this. This is when the top man said, this is the way it is. There's no argument. We could say, oh, Peter, you were just messed up a little bit. That ain't somebody mistranslated there or did that. Or Paul, you know, we knew you was cool, but you ain't that cool. Now, we can't say that to Jesus. If he said it, it's facts. It, it's truth. It is absolute truth. It is absolute. It don't even get any truer than that. And that's just the way it is. So, so he said, I say to you, whoever says, says, that means they're speaking something, to this mountain, be removed and cast in suit, see, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says, right, will be done. Now, this is Jesus talking. This ain't me talking. I'm just repeating his for you. He will have whatever he says. That's what he said. You're going to have whatever you say if you, don't, if you believe and don't doubt in your heart. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And that's a pretty challenging few verses. But then he puts a rider on it. You know what a rider is? Insurance policies have riders. You know, I didn't know about riders until a good friend of mine told me about riders I had on my speech one time, Tony Nash. He said, Byron, you got too many riders on your speech. Everything you say, you have a way out. You wiggle out. He said, you've got to say something. Either God shows up or he don't. You can't have these riders like, and make excuses for why God didn't show up after what you said. He said, you're either going to hang out there and, and, and you're either going to live or die by what you say. You cannot have any more riders. Well, that was Tony Nash. Let me tell you the Tony Nash story just so you'll know. I love Tony Nash. I wish I could get a personal appointment with everybody in this room with Tony Nash because he would scorch your height. He would smoke you down. You would come out there feeling like your daddy had just had a talk with you. You know how it is You know when your daddy talks to you? Like sometimes you mean you're going to have a talk, oh, and he sets you right. Well, this is my first experience with Tony Nash. We were at, our, at Harry Bazell's house. He was our pastor at the time. We were doing something, and we were going to go all go out to eat or something. And Becky said, Byron, where do you want to go? I said, well, where do you want to go, honey? Tony Nash jumped me at that moment. Jumped me. Wait a minute, son. She asked you a question. And you asked her. You try to dump it back on her. You're supposed to be the leader. She's looking for your leadership, and you're not acting like a leader. I'm thinking, okay, I, 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 let's go to Taco Bell. <laughs> That's just the way Tony Nash was. I mean, he could really set you straight in your life. And he's the one who says stuff to me about the right. He heard me preaching one day, and when I got through, he was waiting on me. I could tell he was looking at me the whole time like he's not liking what I'm saying. And I had this, all these excuses why he wasn't like it until I found out what it, no, you can't do that. If you're going to preach, this is the way it's going to be. And he's just the kind of guy who would speak. But you knew he loved you. You knew he cared about you. He knew, you knew he had his best intent for you. Although it was kind of humiliating. I mean, I was, there was a bunch of people in that house there. I felt like a fool, man. I thought, I mean, can I get out of the house here? I mean, I'm looking like a bad husband here. He's exposed my sorry hide. Well, it helped me, okay? <laughs> Anyways, so that was the rider thing. But Jesus put a rider here on what he just said. 
about asking, whatever you, you know, he put a big rider on, a huge rider. And he says, and whenever you stand, remember he just said, you've got to believe it, not have doubt in your heart, and speak it, it'll happen. But he said, and, but, however, when you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, he said, anything, anything against anyone, Anything against anyone bursts doubt. Birth, bursts doubt. It bursts unbelief in our hearts and keeps us from being able to do verse 24. He says, You've got to forgive them that your Father in heaven may, heaven may also forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will the Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. In other words, if you're, in unfor- if you're living in unforgiveness, it's going to lock you up. It's going to lock you up from the presence of God. It's going to lock you up from the faith of God. It's going to lock you up from all of that. And you're not going to be able to speak forth what you need to speak forth in your life. You're not going to be able to get for what you need to get in your life. That's what Jesus was saying. This thing is going to mess you up. It's going to destroy your life. It's going to keep you out of the kingdom. That's why Jesus said on the cross, Father, forgive them. They need to know about the Father and about His heart about forgiveness and about the way forgiveness works so they can get what they need from their life. Are you understanding what I'm saying to you? So here's what the Lord's been telling me. And this was good this morning. I mean, this was helpful this morning. That was good, angel. That was the Lord. I'm telling you it was. It was very powerful. God was trying to do something. Here's what He's told me. He said to me recently, you know, there's a time... When we, you know, as a believer, you haven't done all to stand, you stand. You hold your ground. Now, a lot of people don't even do that. I've seen so many people lose ground spiritually. In the last two or three years, have took some people back. They've lost ground. They didn't even do the basic thing. That's the basic thing. Have you done everything? You just stand firm. You got all your equipment on. You just stand. You just tell them you can't have this ground. I'm not going to give this ground up to you. You know. But let's just assume we kept our ground. But the Lord's saying, okay, there's also a time. There's a time for advancement. There's a time to start pushing back on the enemy. You, you hear what I'm saying? I'll never forget this. I wanted to say, say this to you. I, I'll never forget this. When, when uh, Mr. Bass player up here this morning, a few years ago, Drew Crowley was in a terrible accident. I mean, the nut was skating down a dang road on a big old skateboard <laughs> without a helmet on. And had a serious brain injury, head injury. In fact, it was so serious that it was questionable whether he was going to live or not. Okay? And we had just buried Dean and David Stein's grandbaby. David Stein's baby. We had just buried that baby. That we had prayed and fought and just grinded it out. And could not keep that baby alive. We prayed every prayer. I remember... I want to say this. I remember going out that day, and I remember I prayed every kind of prayer there was to pray. I went from declaring to proclaiming, decreeing to begging, and everything in between for that baby's life, and the baby died. It was, a, it was devastating. But here's something I knew was happening to me. When that was happening, I didn't have faith for any of it. I was just praying. I was just hoping and believing for God to do something. But then this happened with Drew, and I felt something spiritually. This is what I felt. It's, this is the best description. This is a man description. I felt like we were on the goal line, and the game was almost over, and the enemy had the ball, and they took their best running back and drove it right up to the middle of the line, and we were the line. Okay, and I felt that line give, okay, move back slightly, but then I felt that line throw it back. I felt it just flex, just flex in the spirit, and right then I knew that he ain't done. I knew he ain't done. I just felt it. I felt that flex and spirit where we just said, no, when we pushed back. And this is what I'm talking to you about. This is what the Lord's saying. It's time for people to get up. It's time to get up and start pushing back. Because the enemy has pushed on people and stepped on people and messed with people and taken from people and killed people and, let, and all this terrible stuff. And, and we have done everything. We, we've, that's what people have done. They've taken their stand out there like that guy in the Old Testament was in the middle of the bean field and fought this thing. All he had was a bean field and he fought it. The Bible says he fought it so hard that his hand literally cramped around the sword and could not lay the sword down at the end of the day because he fought for the silly bean field. 
That's all he had. He, but he took what he had and he fought himself into the ground with it. And that's what people have done. But now God's saying, listen, you've got you've to just get out of your field. You've got to start stepping forward in this thing. That's what he was trying to release this morning when he was saying it's time for fruit to come forth. It's not time just to be in the ground. It's time to demand. Listen, we're demanding this. This is not the way God meant it to be. These people shouldn't be dead. These babies shouldn't have died. We shouldn't have lost this income. We shouldn't have lost that. That's what he was saying. He was saying, you've got to get up and you've got to start pushing back. It's time to push back. I'm telling you. And, and so the way we push back is with our words. Because in the spirit world, words have power. Words have it because that's why Jesus was able to say to that guy, the centurion, hey, you don't even need to show up and lay hands on this guy, which would have been nice to have Jesus put his hands on you. I would be happy with that. But if he ain't showing up and he's just saying, get up from a mile away, you can get up. Because there's power in words. But here's the thing. It's what Jesus said. If you've got stuff in your heart like unforgiveness, it is going to bind up your words. It's going to bind up the authority over you. In other words, if you were saying to the storm around your life, peace be still, peace be still, and inside of here there ain't no peace, that's a joke. There ain't no peace coming out of you because the people in the spirit world are looking at those words and they see what's really on those words. And if you say peace and there's no real peace on it, they laugh at you. They just say, that's nah, it's not anything. Get them. You know? But if they see peace, uh-oh. Go take care of the storm. There's peace on those words. There's power on us. We've got to go deal with that storm. The devil says, well, we've got to leave. You know, that's what happens. They've got peace. There's power on it. That's what he was saying. That's what Jesus was saying about this thing about unforgiveness and not forgiving. But he was saying, I want to teach my people how to release the authority that I placed in them. But I, the unforgiveness and the bitterness and all that stuff locks you up. You need a revelation of the Father about forgiveness. All right, let me give you one more scripture. Are y'all good? Mercy, Lord. This is Acts. And okay, let me tell you this. Uh, I, this is Matthew's revelation. He was telling me this this morning. Uh, I'll read in Acts. I'm going to read something from Acts 7. Here's the thing about Acts 7. If you, if you want to know a history of Israel in one chapter in the Bible, read Acts 7. In fact, Acts 7 in the Bible tells you stuff you really can't figure out in the Old Testament. Like, I always had these questions about some stuff. Abraham, it, like, what? Well, you know... But he fills it in. Stephen fills in some blanks that, you, that are in the Old Testament, but you've got to be really clever to figure them out. Well, he did it for us. He, taught, he gave us the whole history of the Old, Old Testament in Acts 7. So if you are sort of lazy and don't want to read a bunch of stuff in the Old Testament, just read Acts 7. Or if you don't have time, maybe you're not lazy, I, you know, but you know how it is. Read Acts 7. It'll tell, you the whole, it'll tell you the big picture history and some important details and facts in Abraham's life. That's, that's really important to us. But this is, this is what it was. Uh, he was killed, okay, for what he was saying. He was killed for what he was saying. But he had that same revelation. He said, Father, forgive them. Stephen did. When he was dying, he was saying, Father, he, he got this vision. He saw the Lord Jesus. The Bible says Jesus, doesn't it say he stood up? He saw Jesus stand up. Woo! Can you imagine that? Can you die and you see Jesus stand up to receive you? That's, that's something on that. He stood up while that man was bleeding to death. And I tell you this, I bet you the Lord stood up with Matt Stewart. I bet he stood up. And the Lord stood up and received him into heaven. I'm telling you, there's power on that, isn't there? Woo! Mercy, Lord. That's a good revelation. <laughs> that's why Saul who became Paul, the apostle, who wrote, what, 13 books in the Bible? That's how he got saved. He saw something. Some power got released that day. Yeah, he got saved over that deal. He didn't get saved right that moment, but he was watching it. It's because it says, and Saul was holding the coats of the people who were killing him, and he witnessed all this. You know something was going on in his heart. He was getting all messed up and tore up. God was plowing the fool out of his heart. And then he headed off thinking he was going to go get some people. You know, a couple weeks later, I'm going to go kill some people over in Damascus. And the Lord showed up. And what did Saul do? He didn't fight. Hey, what am I supposed to do? That was his What am I supposed to do? <laughs> That's pretty good, isn't it? Because he was ready for it. He was ready for that revelation. Isn't that powerful there how God works? There's some stuff going to happen. There's some power going to come forth. You can't, bear, you can't plant a seed in the ground like what's been planted. 
Okay, you can't plant a baby in the ground. You can't plant a husband in the ground. You can't plant somebody you love in the ground and not be some seed. And that's what the Lord was saying something. You've got to get a hold of this this morning. Because I'm going to call for it. He's going to call for it for fruit. I'm telling you. That was the Lord. My daughter, right? I got While she was sitting in the middle, I get this text from my daughter, which I read when she texted me. And that's what she was getting. The Lord showed her it's time for fruitfulness. It's time for fruit to come out of this. And you can have fruit in your life now. And I want to emphasize to you, I don't care if you had a little loss, like you lost a toe. Well, I know a toe's not like for a person, but for God, a toe's a big deal. For God, a job's a big deal, an income, a relationship, anything of that, you know, it really is a, a hurt, whatever it is. Anyways, thank you, Jesus, for all that. Man, thank you for that. Whoa, I love that revelation of Jesus standing up. Man, thank you, Lord. Stand up, Lord. You know, when he's, yeah. When he stands, yeah. <laughs> Woo. Bring it, Lord. Yeah. I guarantee you when he stands, something's going to happen. Right? When Jesus stands, he was seated on the throne. When he's standing up, something's happening. You know, something's happening. I think he was standing today. I think we was getting revelation. You know. I don't, you know. You know, the Lord remembers about your babies. He ain't forgot. You know, he really does. Yeah. I just, during worship this morning when she was reading that scripture, I just felt like the Lord was saying, you know, the fruit's coming ready or not, here it comes. Whether you're ready or not. Because I felt like the Lord was showing me, you know, we lost a baby. Here comes the baby. We weren't exactly ready. But here comes the fruit. Ready or not, here it comes. And it's going to be a blessing. You know, but that you can maybe not even be ready. But it, He is calling forth for fruitfulness in this time. When He calls for fruitfulness, guess what's going to happen? Fruitfulness. Right, Matthew? <laughs> he called for fruitfulness in your life. Hey, wait a minute. We weren't playing on this, Lord. I was. <laughs> Ain't the Lord good? All right, let me give this one last scripture. Okay, this is good. Okay? Uh, I remember Total Forgiveness, the book. It was based on the life of Joseph. Okay? Which is really good. I recommend you read that book if you want to understand forgiveness. Because one of the things a lot of people suffer with in forgiveness, they, they can't understand between forgiveness and reconciliation. They think if you forgive, you've got to reconcile, which is not true. They're two different issues. And that really set me free in that situation because I thought, I'm going to get my tail kicked bad on this forgiveness because they're going to stomp my heart again. And I, can't, I just couldn't bear the thought of that. And the Lord, in through that book, said me, no, you don't do that. That's, that's, that's another issue. Another, another thing is saying that a wrong didn't occur. Like forgiveness says a wrong didn't. Well, that's not true. Let me just put it like this. This is a harsh example. Uh, uh, if a man rapes a woman... And somehow God gives her the grace to say to that man, I totally forgive you. From her perspective, he's forgiven. But however, with the law and with God, there's still an issue to be dealt with there. In other words, it didn't like that rape didn't occur. That guy's going to have to deal with that. You see what I'm saying? And see, that'll set you free. Like, I don't have to deal with it. There, as far as I'm concerned, the Father's forgiven. Whatever happens between them and God is between them, them and God. But I'm free of it. They owe me nothing. I'm done. I'm finished. I'm moving on, and I'm going to get more of the, the Spirit of God. And they, But that's between them and God now. You know, God's going to have to deal with it. I don't have to go get hooked back up with them unless God reconciles me. But thank God in my situation, God reconciled me with those people. Okay, and those people are people that I love and that love me to this day. It was a victory, and the devil was laughing, and it was a trick. And God said, you'll get the last laugh out of this deal. He's going going to get him on that, and he did. The Lord's going to get the last laugh. The Lord's going to get the last laugh. You know, whatever you lost, and the enemy's sitting there laughing at you and taunting you, he's going to get in trouble over that. God's going to laugh at him when he does the trick on him. Anyways, I was reading this the other day. I just wanted to read this because this is powerful, man. This is, this is about Joseph. This is part of Stephen's message. And when I was reading it, the Lord was just, it was like coming in me. It was getting into me. And this is what the Lord wants to do. Because the Lord saw in Joseph that he was carrying 
an anointing, an ability in him to have a forgiveness, to, to be able to forgive. Okay? He didn't, the Lord saw that in him. And the Lord, because the Lord saw forgiveness in him, he saw in his heart that he'll forgive his brothers. He will let them off the hook, which he did. Okay? And this, but this is what the Bible says. And the patriarchs, that was his brothers. They, they sounded like really great guys. The patriarchs, well, that was his brothers that tried to kill the poor guy and sold him into the slave. Becoming envious. Isn't it weird how the Bible does? The patriarchs, like we think these are really important people, which they are. The 12 tribes of Israel, they're kind of important, but they didn't do everything good, did they? Becoming envious, sold Joseph into Egypt. Now, listen to this. This is it. This is what God was saying to me. And this is what he's saying to you. But God was with him. Number one, say, God was with, is with me. Number two, delivered him out of all his troubles. Say, God is going to deliver me out of all my troubles. All. That's what he did. Okay, and then the next thing. And God gave him favor and wisdom in the presence of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Say, God is going to give me favor and wisdom in the presence of the people who count. This wasn't just some bum on the street. Okay? This was the top guy who looked at him and saw something in him. He saw the favor of God on him. Okay? And the boss says, I'm going to get you a raise. I'm going to get you a raise. That's favor. Nobody else is getting raised, but I got one. Therefore, you need to get one because you helped me look good. You helped me get my raise. I'm going to make sure you get a raise. Now, that's how God wants to do it. He wants to release this favor from heaven on people. He wants to release this wisdom of heaven on people. He did it on Joseph. And the unforgiveness will keep us out. Okay? But, the, if, but when we forgive, when we release this favor and wisdom, and, this, and then he made him governor over Egypt and all says, God is going to make you a governor. Say, God's going to make me a governor. God's going to make me a leader in his house. And see, that's really what God wants to do. God wants to be with us. God wants to deliver us from all our troubles. God wants to, to give us favor. God wants to give us wisdom. And God wants to put us, the Bible says, remember last week, Dean read it, God wants to make you the head, not the tail. That's what he's talking about. God made Joseph the, the head. He was the tail. He was dragging down there in, in the bad spot. But God made him the head because he had this thing in him that would not hold it against his brothers where he could say to his brother, I forgive you. God meant it for good in my life to deliver people. And God wants to deliver people. God wants to set people free. But he was looking for a people who can come to him and say, you forgave me. You put a deposit of millions of dollars of forgiveness in me that I can give out for the rest of my life. Everybody who hurts me, I can say, well, I I've got a $10 forgiveness bill for this guy. Or if I need $1,000, I can run $1,000 out of my account for forgiveness because God wants to be with me. God wants to give me favor. God wants to give me wisdom. God wants to get rid of all my troubles. He wants me out of trouble. He wants me out of trouble. He wants to take my trouble and my sorrow and cause it to turn for good. That's what the Father's heart is like. And He wants me to be a leader. He doesn't want me to be some shuffling kind of guy shuffling around here trying to get through the day. There's not no interest in that. God wants to sit and raise His people up. Not just one person, but all his people. Everybody, everybody in this room, every, all of us, we, we have access to this. We really do. We have access. God wants to do this in our lives. This is what he's saying. He's saying this. He's saying, whatever you ask in prayer, whatever you ask, you can have it, but just make sure that you've let your heart be dealt with. Let you make sure Okay, and this is a good way to do it. I'm just going to tell you this. Just say, Lord, put the blood on my heart now. Let the blood of Jesus come in there and start messing with this old soul, messing with this old mind. And it will. It'll start. It'll start cleansing. It'll start getting that old bad stuff out of there. It may be a little rough day or two here. I told you about all my resentment stuff. And see, but there's a difference between resentment and unforgiveness. And see, but that's what the blood does. Amen. So today's a day of fruitfulness. Come on up here, angel. I want you to pray over people. I want you to release the Lord one more time. I'm telling you what she had was the Lord. I'm telling you it was God. I'm telling you God's saying it's time for a shift. It's time for a shift in your life. If you're a person today and you have unforgiveness in your heart and God has, has, has put that on you, touched you, you know all you got to do is come go to Jesus. 
Okay, he wants to release that. You just go ahead. Okay. Well, Father, we just come to you right now. Daddy. Jesus, we just come. We come before your throne right now, God. Father, here we are. Your people, the apple of your eye. Lord, we love you. And we just say we want you, Lord. We want you. We don't want the houses and the jobs and the money and whatever those things are that we think are our needs. Lord, our real desperate need is more of you. So, Father, we just humble ourselves before you right now. Oh, and we welcome you. Oh, we welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you in this house, God. Come and make yourself at home in us, Lord. Let your presence. Be where we go, where we dwell, Lord. Mm, Come, Father. Come right now, Lord. Come on every person in this room, Lord Jesus. I pray that there would be a release of your presence, Lord. I pray that the dove of your Holy Spirit would come and light on your people today, God. Release your Holy Spirit in great measure on your people today, that they would not wonder if you are with them, Lord. Lord, I pray that we would know that you are with us. Lord, that we would know that you are with us. That we would know that you are with us. That we would know that you are with us. Oh, and you are if you are with us, who could be against us? Lord, if you are for us, who could be against us? Oh, Lord, we thank you for your presence in this house. In this house, God, in every house that's represented in this room today, God. Holy, holy, Lord, we just, let's just look at Jesus right now. Let's just put our eyes on the Holy One that wants to kiss us right now in this place of intimacy. Let us just be before Him right now. And Lord, we just say, come and do what only You can do. Holy, Holy One, just come and do what only You can do, Lord. Here's, a, here's something I wanted to say this over you. Oh, this is it right here. Even though, listen to this, even though I walk through, everybody say walk through, the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. Now let the table of the Lord come. Let it come. Right now, it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That's what the Lord's done. You anoint my head with oil. The oil's coming right now. My cup runs over. Now listen to this. Surely, everybody say surely. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the Father's house. Oh, release it now, Lord. Release it now. Let that oil flow. Let it flow now. Outside. We're done with the valley of the shadow of death. We're out. We've walked through it. It's time to come out on the other side. You know, there's some people we've been praying for our loved ones. We've been praying for family members, for them to get saved, for them to come to the kingdom. And the Lord's saying this morning, you need to forgive them first. You need to let them off the hook. I mean, consider that Joseph's brothers probably would have died in the famine if he would have gotten bitter. Because he wouldn't have forgiven them. He would have killed them. You know what I'm saying? I mean, these are the patriarchs. These are important people. And I just feel like... I know it sounds kind of like a heavy thing, but that's not the, the, uh, the heart of the Father is just offer that, that, that brother, that sister, that mom, that dad, that uncle, that aunt, just offer them before the Lord and just let them off the hook. Say, Lord, I've spent so many years pointing my finger and I just choose to forgive them today. You've given me forgiveness. I give them forgiveness this morning, this afternoon. Thank you, Lord that my prayers might not be hindered. That they may come to the Father's table. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you need prayer this morning for healing, to, if you need to get saved, you need, to, you need prayer for breakthrough in any area of your life, just invite you to come up here as we're dismissing this morning. And uh, we can have some prayer team people up here. So you guys be blessed. Let the Lord's presence just overshadow you this week. And uh, you can be dismissed. We'll see you on Wednesday night.